לשידור ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשיירס. כל רמה, מאה ושתיים שלוש, מרגישים. רבי ג'רמי קלמנוסקי, Many of our campers, many of our former campers who are now have graduated, many of our fellow staff members, we're, we're so delighted. And of course, to our various communities in Highland Park, New Jersey, in New York City, and on Long Island, who are uh, dipping into some Torah, the best Torah in Dutchess County, but it's also the best Torah on Facebook, on the web, anywhere. It's the best Torah discussion. And that's what we want to do. We want to talk about Vayikra, we know that we're um, a couple of weeks away from Pesach. This is uh, tomorrow being Rosh Chodesh. Well, we're, we're doing this on Wednesday. So this is the week uh, that we are first in, in Nisan. But um, we're, we're going to read Parshat Vayikra in our various abodes this Shabbos. We'll save a uh, discussion on the Haggadah and Pesach for a future broadcast. And to begin this, I want to do the 30,000-foot view of the book of Ayikra, since we finished uh, the book of Shemot last week. Let's look at the book of Ayikra as it is situated in the Torah. And uh, we'll talk to Rabbi uh, Kalmanovsky first. Can you, can you zoom us out from the book of, um, from the Torah and, and tell us what, what are the great themes of Ayikra and why is Ayikra so important to, to you? Yeah, I love this book. You know, a lot of times when you ask people, You know, of course, people love Breshit, and they love the, the great narratives of Breshit and the great, exciting uh, themes of Shemot and Devarim ends on such a high point. All those are true. Uh, Vaikra is, you know where its place is in the Torah? The center. Just like in the camp that is described by the Israelites, at the center is the Ohel Moed and the Mishkan, and at the center of the Mishkan is the Aron that holds the Ten Commandments. And at the center of the Torah... The physical center is the book of Vaikra. And so that may seem strange to modern Jews because, because so much of the book um, is taken up with ritual detail, in particular, the ritual details surrounding animal sacrifice. Um, a lot of people find this particularly alienating or off-putting or hard to connect to. But I think that it, the, the Torah itself actually conceives of it as extraordinarily central. So I, I would note that the whole latter section of Shemot is about creating the sacred space in the Mishkan. And Vayikra, one of its major themes is, well, what do you do in that sacred space? 
you have ritual. So I think that um, to me, Vayiku represents the art of ritual practice of Judaism. The specific details may seem strange to us. Incense, animal sacrifice, matters of ritual purity and impurity, but it's the way our ancestors, especially our biblical ancestors, and then as refracted through the rabbis as they interpret it, um, create a holiness and an art to being a Jew. We add one more thing to that, and this is a few weeks away for us. Um, we'll perhaps get to it uh, if we are ever allowed out of our houses and we're reading Torah in, in shul again, in chapter 19, which is uh, Parshat Kiddushim, be holy, and uh, an, uh, a um, particular, uh, an excellent academic researcher called Yisrael Kanol wrote a book called The Sanctuary of Silence, in which he argues that the different voices in the book of Vayikra, um, the, the main one, which, which we academic readers call P, the priestly author, there's another one which he calls H, the voice who speaks of holiness being located primarily not in the, in the acts of the priests, but in the community, speak to the entire Israelite community and teach them to be holy. And to me, that sums up at the 30,000 foot level, you know, the, at the micro level, we're talking about kidneys and fat and bones and blood. What's talk about? At the macro, we'll get to that. At the macro level, it's about the art of how to live as a holy person, worshiping, and behaving with your fellow human beings in a holy way. Rabbi Chesa, so, just to add to what Jeremy said, when he mentioned chapter 19, I thought he was going to mention the verse, which the rabbis locate at the precise center of the Torah. So it's striking for us that in the midst of all this ritual, that it brackets the command to love your neighbor as yourself because the ritual is in service to the community. And it's how we live that is going to determine how we approach God. And if we think it's only about sacrifice or only about community, God will be missing. We need both together. I think I, I, I want to just underscore this, that the, you know, Vayikra represents the, the hardcore of, of the Torah. Vayikra is uh, itself the, um, the real essence. I mean, I, 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 it's the... You know, it's, it's it's the earthiest. It's the it deals with blood. It deals yeah. with guts. It deals with everything. But as we said, it also deals with you know, be holy. <laughs> and 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 um, I think uh, Rabbi Chester is correct in saying that that the um, the, the center of Ayikra more or less is that chapter nineteen, uh, the holiness code which uh, itself is, um, uh, it represents the, 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 the thing, the, the, the themes of the, of the book, okay? Um, let's now look at some of the, um, the critical uh, pieces in this Parsha. And uh, it's the first verse. Uh, first of all, Hashem Elav Me'ohel Mo'ed, Adam Kiakriv Mikem Korban talking about uh, a sacrifice. So, uh, Jeremy, take us into the world of sacrifice and, um, and, and help us understand, uh, if we can, some of, the, some of the dynamics, the anthropology, some of the, the feelings that you have, and, and I'm sure uh, both of us uh, will respond in our own way to, to what you say. Go ahead. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard, uh, I think, matter for 
Excuse me. Contemporary COVID nineteen you're suffering from. I, I take a test. Negative. I do not have COVID nineteen. So e kavod. I, uh, I am blessedly, at least for the short term, e kavod. I'm still coughing though, so <laughs> it's not so great. But um, I, I've never seen an animal being sacrificed. You know, um, I've never in person, uh, only on TV, seen uh, an animal being killed at all. And so I think the blood and guts and the smell and the physicality um, that our ancestors no doubt took as part of their daily lives, uh, something that's completely not in my radar screen. I don't know what it was like. So there's a certain distance that even a, a, a I think a kind of sympathetic interpreter um, just doesn't get. But um, I think that sacrifices speak to me on a, on a couple of levels. First of all, uh, in my own religious life, uh, I think that uh, to, to be a religious Jew in, in my conception is to dedicate and devote one's life to a holy path. Hekdesh, lahakdesh, is to dedicate in Hebrew and to make holy, to make uh, sacred. And the English word that fits that is sacrifice. We talk all the time about sacrifice, meaning, oh, I gave up this or I gave up that. So I sacrificed you know, to, uh, to achieve this, this end, I sacrificed and I sacrificed my money. Well, that's, I think, an overly narrow uh, use of the term. I think sacrifice means the thing which makes sacred. It's something that goes from being, you know, just a <clears throat> sack of flour in my closet to being uh, a mincha that I offer, a, a cake that I offer uh, uh, on the altar and goes from a goat being in my herd to being something that I offer and I give. So, sacrificing to me is not about what I lose or what I give up on, but what I dedicate. So I prefer the word lahakdish, um, the Hebrew term lahakdish to, to really connote uh, the gift aspect. And for me, what that means is that the ultimate gift that I can give, the only real gift that I can give to God is my life. Mm-hmm. I want to think of sacrifice, animal sacrifice or grain sacrifice, which is what, the, the ancient people did, wine sacrifice, oil sacrifices, gave, gave those, those food items. I want to, I want to think of them as, as ultimately training me or metaphors for how I can give my life. The only gift I have to give, and I think on an anthropological level, uh, um, I could sort of go into this more, but I think we'll leave it for now just to say, but I think that all the sacrifices are in a sense a substitution for the human sacrifice. So, so, so the, human uh, being. the human being, you know, when you get the sacrifice, you put your hand on the animal and you confess the crime that you had done, the sin that you had done. And it's sort of to indicate this is what I, uh, I wish to put my whole weight on this animal and transfer something of myself to the animal. You are the real gift. So you're, you're, for you, the, the drama is the drama of, I guess, substitution, that, that the animal represents a, is, is symbolic of you and is an extension of you. And, and, and I, you know, I suspect that that, that, that is a view that is certainly um, subject to, to, to debate, you know, exactly what role the, the sacrifice is. And, you know, scholars will, will point to the fact that, look, the animal is simply a vessel for, of blood. Blood is the, the ritual element here. What does the, 
what does the people really want? The people want all of the things that are mentioned in the, uh, in the menu of, of the sacrifices, namely, um, you know, kapara, closeness, toda, the, the, uh, the ola. I mean, I didn't do it in order, right? But the ola, really to give something fully and to, to create a sense of, of total holiness. And that the drama of, of, of Ikra, the drama of temple worship is a drama of constantly trying to attract the presence of God into the community and not trying to repel the community. And that we see on, on every single level, I mean, in the most uh, important level with, um, with the, uh, the, the, the role that uh, Kapara plays. I want to uh, let uh, Barry weigh in on this uh, issue. So what I find fascinating and what Jeremy said about dedication is that sacrifice, I think, properly is dedication to the other. So in the context of Vayikra, that other is God. When we think of self-sacrifice, often associated with war, the self-sacrifice is only meaningful, I think, ultimately to the community of survivors. That, that other that you sacrifice yourself for is what gives it meaning. And what we have here in Vayikra is our ancestors' sense of what gave them meaning, that they were giving of themselves to God because God is going to confer meaning on them. And I think in the modern world, that may be what's missing from our religious life, this idea that we have to give something to God, and we don't know what that might be. So, so we, we have a, a, a set of uh, discussions on this, uh, this whole question because I would argue that, that while giving ourselves to God and giving up something to God is, is maybe distant from, um, let's say, the non, you know, a non-fundamentalist or non-traditionalist um, you know, or the modern person, the idea of giving up uh, for the sake of something else uh, is actually not foreign from us. I think it's a deeply rooted, maybe it's even at the surface of human behavior. Uh, and my, my, my um, example is, you know, how many of us would give up something for, for a child? How many of us would give a kidney to a loved one who needs that kidney? Um, look, look at now all of the healthcare workers on the front lines of the, of the, of the pandemic who are willingly, if not, um, you know, I wouldn't say gladly, there are tremendous uh, fear and apprehension of them, but, but this, is where they are, this is where they are called upon to serve other people. This is where they are now literally sacrificing themselves. You know, a, a very significant number of them are falling ill, uh, not insignificant a number are, are, are getting seriously ill and also dying here. And why are they dying? They're putting themselves on the line for the sake of the community. Uh, and and, and it's a, that's a really profound modern analog. I mean, you, you know, I remember a few years ago when there was a tsunami in Japan and nuclear, the Fukushima nuclear reactor was um, badly damaged. And in a great sense, there was a, I remember reading at the time, I think it was in the New Yorker, uh, about one of the workers who in an enormous sense of duty, and honor, I promised to do this job, and I'm going to do this job, went in and began cleaning up, you know, the, the irradiated you know, water or whatever it was. Um, physicians similarly have, uh, by, by, you know, their training and expertise, everybody is obliged to 
be in the midst of pikuach nefesh, saving a life. <coughs> Physicians have a different obligation than you and I do because of the commitments that they've made um, to undergo a certain amount of risk. And if, if physicians have the ability to, to heal others, <coughs> they, uh, they take on those risks to do that, that mitzvah. And it is a, it is a truly noble uh, and very inspiring, um, unselfish, fundamentally generous human quality. You know, you talk about uh, Elliot, the, the, the instantaneous degree that he was able to, to, to give an organ for one of our children. Um, and we all know people who have given up organs for strangers. And it's an astonishingly uh, noble, inspiring piece of human generosity. It restores your faith in humanity. You say, look, I'm responsible for you even if I don't know you, and I'm going to help you. Yeah, I think that dynamic is, is at work here on, on, on some level. And of course, we're feeding into that. Look, I, I think about you know, Jewish life in that way. Most of us, uh, you know, we, we, have, we have, I don't want to make this in any way equivalent, but, but you know, we have put our kids through um, day school. We have put our kids at Ramah. We have, you know, uh, made certain, quote, sacrifices, uh, albeit no, nowhere near uh, you know, in terms of life, uh, but but the, the the willingness and the degree to suspend certain things for other things that have more value that is the dynamic of sacrifice. And and you know, a, a person who lives fully in in this life is constantly uh, engaged in that dynamic. So, well, I keep coming back to this idea that our ancestors are making sacrifices to God. And perhaps the meaning of the sacrifice is that this is how they draw God into their lives, by giving God these animals, by burning them, by eating the sacred portions, by leaving what there is to God, that our ancestors were able to create a life where God was present. I was struck, Elliot, that you were talking about the sacrifices of the, the healthcare workers and other people that, and that, these are great sacrifices, but there's also the quotidian sacrifice, the sacrifices that we make day by day just to get through the day, right? The sacrificial system in the Bible is not meant to be a one-shot deal. It's not just at the holy days. It was a daily experience as well. So there's the grand sacrifice recognized by the tradition, as well as those daily sacrifices, which is how we navigate a day where we expect or desire God to be present for and with us. I think, you know, one tiny example here, maybe if we're still having these conversations in a couple of weeks, we can come back to This is the book. I mean, of course, Genesis talks about Abraham's circumcision, but it's in this book that it becomes a mitzvah to all generations of Jews yeah. to have a little bit of flesh and blood on their male children. Um, well, and for ancient people, this is a, this is a small kind of symbolic human sacrifice not not insignificant i think greet me law is probably the closest closest the modern jew gets to to this notion and 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 here i want to go to to uh, i guess the uh, i wanted to say the anatomy of sacrifice but but you know what what is perceived what one can perceive in the act of sacrifice is that you are standing next to uh the individual it would probably be the Kohen, unless it's the Korban Pesach, which is 
something that you do on your own and you become a kind of co mm -hmm. We'll talk about that, I guess, in a, in a future time. But so y you are, you know, Mr. Goldstein, Schlepper Dick Jew, who has come, brought your, 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 your sheep to, to, for an Ola, okay? You are making an Ola and you bring it uh, to the Kohen and the Kohen takes out his knife and slaughters the animal. And what you witnessed, having placed, you know, your designated this, this sacrifice, what you witnessed is the moment of life and death, the moment of utilizing the ultimate power that any human being has, which is to take another life. And, and, and notwithstanding the, the subordination of animal life, it's still a life. It's still, you know, the Torah is, is fairly clear about, about the life in, in a creature and that you have the power over that life. And so what, what, the, what the individual is witnessing is the use of an ultimate power. Uh, and and that, that has always been quite striking in, um, in terms of harnessing the ultimate power that an individual has for the sake of, of, of serving God. I don't know if you want to try and react to that. It was very well said. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it has to do with love. I, I think it's, it's extremely well said. Um, you know, everything that is holy in this book is a nexus point between life and death. You know, the, the, uh, when, when things are in the sense of ritual purity, um, you know, we tend to think that somehow means clean. Well, that's not exactly, it's not about clean and dirty. I think it's really about orderly and disorderly or too electric. So I think that, that, um, these moments are about the crossing of, of life and death when a life comes into the world or goes out of the world, and that's human life par excellence, but animal life, uh, you know, animal life as well. Um, this is an Agadah that um, is a part of Jewish mythology is that there is Beit Hamidash Mala Mechuvan Beit Hamidash Mata. The table of heaven and the table on earth, and they're just, you know, so to speak, aligned. And what what's what goes on in the in the Beit Hamikdash Shomala? The uh, archangel Michael is the Kohen Gadol. He sacrifices the souls of the of the uh, And to me, uh, that's just this intense image. Not as not you know, as a sacrifice as punishment, but that the Beit holiness on high is that people have lived lives worthy of the sort of cosmic altar. And I find that just... Let's begin to put a bow on this. This is a complicated Parsha um, in, in terms of, in, of, of inviting us into a, a world, a central world of, of Jewish worship, trying to answer one of the basic questions, which is how... How does a Jew come close to God? So in, in thinking about this, maybe we ought to just put out the idea that, that you know, Judaism, as the, as the rabbis have reshaped it uh, following the destruction of the temple, is really a, an attempt to answer a central question that is the question of Vayikra. Um, what do we want to offer um, our, our, our viewers, listeners, uh, and uh, our, our, our campers, our 
former students, our, our present students, in terms of how do you answer the question, um, how do you get close to God with this kind of language? What kind of language do we need to create with this in terms of ritual? So I, I like the very first verse of the book, by Yikra, El Moshe by Daber Adonai Elav. So God calls and speaks. And our task is to listen, to separate between the calling and the speaking, and to somehow be able to hear the voice of God. We've all lived a very different life this last week or so from the life that we lived before. Um, it's a state of great disruption on many different levels, and things that were clear are no longer clear. But on the other hand, things that were not so clear have perhaps become clarified. And the question will be whether this experience makes a difference for us. And I think that we need to learn how to listen again and listen anew for the voice of God. I'm going to go with the word give. Mincha, uh, the word mincha is uh, his name of a certain kind of sacrifice, means a grain-based sacrifice. It's a generic term for gift, and the sacrifices that we make are gifts. Uh, as, as both of you pointed out, they are this a sense of the religion is based on, here's what I have to give. So I would say that uh, getting close to God is to be a giver, a giver of um, yourself in worship, but also interpersonally. I think that giving and generosity um, and then in response, gratitude to what is given to you, those are to be super primary central religious emotions. So um, I, I occasionally want to quote, quote a certain uh, rock and roll singer from New Jersey. So uh, he's got a great song which he says, just a cut to the chase, and says, give all the love that you have in your soul. So that's it, give love. So, so I guess since we're all choosing a word here, I, I'm going to choose Adam. Adam. It's in the verse 2, the Bereven Israel Vamarta Aleim, Adam. To be a human being. I think a, a, a visceral, elemental, essential, core aspect of human being is sacrifice. It's, it's knowing that your life is part of a context and that you, yourself, can attain a certain amount of worthiness in your life by devoting it to something higher and something other than yourself. And um, I think I think that this is a good place to to put it because we're all we're all you know collectively engaged in that in a social responsibility. You know now as we sequester in our homes, isolating ourselves, uh, we're, we're devoting on, on in no small way to a larger group as as we hope everybody in our communities is. So we want to say Shabbat Shalom to our viewers. Shabbat Shalom. Lots of bracha. Keep healthy. Wash your hands. Have a nagila to your hands. Stay spiritual. Stay connected. Take care of each other. We'll get through this together. Shabbat Shalom. 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 Shabbat Shalom.